I don't know about you, but I can relate to the guy in the video. I know what it's like to pretend that everything in my life is okay, but on the inside, know that it's not. And this whole series, our goal with it is to normalize the conversation because nobody should ever have to live that way. It should be okay to talk about the issues that we face when it comes to mental health and it not to be looked down upon, not to be something that we don't know what to do with. So we have to normalize the conversation because the reality is, is because I lived it, if you won't reveal it, God can't heal it. If you have an illness, you've got to go reveal it to a, a physician. If there's something wrong with you, you have to acknowledge that there's something wrong with you in order to find the healing that you want. And it, it, it's the same way when it comes to mental health. And so this series, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about it. We're going to take a deep dive into some of these issues. We're going to bring in some people to, to not just preach a message, but to resource you with practical tools so that you can find freedom. Because my heart is that you would no longer hide it, but that you would reveal it. But listen, I can't expect you to do something that I'm not willing to do. I believe that as a as a pastor, as a leader, as a communicator, I can't ever ask you as a church, as a person to buy into our mission more than I'm bought into the mission. And so when I say you got to get in a group and on a team, I don't just say that I live that. Well, I, I, I'm not on a team like you are because I do this. I can't be on a team in that way. But, but I'm in a life group. We host a life group at our home. We have done that since we started the church 10 years ago. I can't ask you to be willing to be generous and to invest in the kingdom of God if, if I'm not willing to do that. And I, anytime I talk about generosity, I, I always tell, tell you that Jess and I give away 20% of our income. Last year, we gave 20% of our income away to the kingdom of God. And I don't say that to brag. I say that to say because I believe in generosity. I believe that it, it, it changes me and it impacts the world. And so I don't just preach that. I live that. I can't expect you to be open and vulnerable about something so personal as your mental health struggles if I'm not willing to do that. Some of you who've been here for a long time know that I have my own story when it comes to mental health. And as a pastor, I always try to be as authentic as I can be and really share more about my weaknesses than I do my strengths. And there is obviously just good communication uh, practices that helps you connect with people. But how many of you know you connect more with someone when you can identify in their weaknesses than you do their strengths? And so I always try to be authentic with you about my own struggles and, and where I've been. Immediately after our first service today, uh, a lady approached me with her daughters in high school and, and said, thank you for just being willing to talk about this. 
She said, my husband it was like listening to your story was like going back in time 10 years to where my husband was. And she goes, but our church didn't know what to do with us. They didn't know what to do with him. And thankfully, we found help in other ways, but it wasn't through the church. And so thank you that you're a church that's willing to talk about this. Because friends, the church should be the place that you come to find healing. This isn't a place for the healthy to gather and to just have it all together. Man, the church is meant to be a hospital for sick people who need healing, who need deliverance, who need to find God and experience what he can offer. But the problem with a lot of pastors is that there's this tension we have to manage because because I preach things to you that I know are biblical and that what God would have me to preach to you, but I don't always live up to those things. Can I just tell you, your pastor is not perfect. And if you don't believe me, connect with my wife after church. And if you don't believe her, ask my kids. They'll tell you. But there's a tension for pastors is is that we have to pretend that we have it all together in order for you to respect what we have to say. But I just don't think that's true. And I've learned how to be open with my own struggles so that it can help other people. And every time I've shared about my journey with mental health and more specifically anxiety for me, uh, God has used it in powerful ways. And if anything, today of sharing my story, story with you and sharing some scripture with you, if it gives you the courage to share your story and to get the help that you need, Everything that I've been through on that battle will be totally worth it. That's the promise that God gives us in his word. But you see, about eight years ago, my mental health challenge began. Again, for me, it was anxiety. I I began to have what I'd come to realize were symptoms of, of burnout. I was We'd planted the church. We were a couple years into the journey. It's, it's very hard to plant a church, if you don't know that. Uh, There were so many challenges that we were facing. I wasn't resting. I was working all the time. I never took time off. The first two years of our church, I took one Sunday off in two years. I, I was always preaching. I was always leading. I was always, I was just involved in just about every aspect of the church. We didn't have any other staff at that time, really, besides some part time people. And so I was just overworking and, and I wasn't resting. And so I began to, to suffer physical symptoms of, of that pace. And, uh, and, and, and it just began to, to mess with my mind. I, I didn't know why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. I was young. I was healthy. The doctors would tell me I was healthy, but I, didn't, I knew I didn't feel right. And, and I began to do what you should never do. Google your symptoms. Don't, don't ever Google your symptoms. Talk to your doctor, you know. And so I began to Google things, and it just began to ruminate in my mind that something was really wrong with me that I was physically not okay and that, that it was going to ultimately end my life or prematurely end my, I don't, I don't know. I just began to ruminate. And so this was happening. And, and, and the, the problem with anxiety is, is the, the physical symptoms of anxiety mimic deadly diseases. And so I was, I was convincing myself that there was something wrong and it just began to impact every area of my life. 
But my problem was, is that the enemy had convinced me to do what probably some of you are doing. I was suffering in secret. I wouldn't tell anyone. My wife is my best friend. I tell her everything. I talk about you guys to her all the time. We talk. There's nothing that she doesn't really know about me. But this, I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I was I thought that I'm a pastor, I'm a leader, I'm supposed to be your husband, and, and I just feel weak. I feel like I'm a less than. I feel like I should, I know how to overcome this. I, I know the word of God. I know what I should be doing, but I, but I couldn't do it. And so I just began to suffer alone. I wouldn't tell anyone. I, my best friends, other pastors, people I trust that, that have been in my life for years call me, hey, how are you doing? I'm fine. I'm good. I was the guy in the video. Everything's good. But inwardly, I was a mess. It began to manifest and continue to, to get worse and worse to the point that I could no longer hide it. And Jess one day looks at me and, and just, you know, I was disconnected. I was, you see, because mental health doesn't just impact your mind, right? It begins to impact every area of your life. I was, I was ruminating on thoughts. I was so tired. I was so worn out. I was stressed out. I was literally, I felt like I was on the verge of breaking down. And finally, just this looks at me. I, I, I always remember sitting on the couch. She's sitting on the other one. And she just looks at me and she goes, what's wrong with you? Tell me what's wrong. And I finally broke. And I said, I'm, I'm really struggling with anxiety and I can't sleep and I'm waking up with panic attacks, with my heart pounding out of my chest. I don't, I don't know how to stop it. I don't know what to do, but I, I, don't, I don't know. And so that began my journey of finding healing was through that confession. You see, and scripture tells us this. Jesus's brother James says that you find forgiveness through confessing to God, but you find healing when you confess to someone else. And so I told my wife, and I know how hard that is to do because I know how hard it was for me to do, but I'm trying to convince some of you here today is you, you have to be willing to share your struggle with someone. You shouldn't suffer in secret. You shouldn't struggle alone. And if anything you get out of this message today, and maybe out of this entire series, is that you have the courage to tell someone what you're going through and what's happening and begin the process of getting the help that you need it'll be totally worth it. But that's why we preach so hard here and why Ben's preaching the announcements of why it's so important that you get out of a row and into a circle, that you get in a group and on a team because the problem is, is our church has grown to a point that, that I don't know who, who you are. For many of you, I don't know who you are. I don't, I don't know your story. I don't know the details of your life. I, but someone needs to know who you are. Someone needs to know your story. Someone needs to know your struggle. And that doesn't happen in rows because this is the place that we fake it the best, isn't it? If we're just being honest. Just, yeah, I'm good. Hey, I'm glad you're here. I'm great. Great. Good. Everything's good. And, and, and we're not. Statistically, it, it's, it's evident that we're not good. The reason why we're doing this series is because of how bad mental health is in our world right now. COVID was an accelerator of it, but it is really bad right now. And I had 
literally, it was like last April, and we were meeting with multiple people in the church and trying to help people and, and, and walking with people through suicide and, and family, it just all this stuff. And I go, we, we have to do something. And it took this long to get to the place that we could plan this series in a way that would not just be another message, but that could begin a movement that can help resource you to actually do something about what's going on in your life. So in a couple of weeks, I'm preaching next week. And then in two more weeks, we're going to have guest speakers come in. And I'm being open and authentic with you about me today. Can I, can I be open and authentic with a frustration I have about you? We don't tell people when I'm not preaching because when we do, they don't come to church. And while that in some ways, I guess, can be flattering, it's also discouraging to me because if, if your connection here is just me preaching, I'm not doing a good enough job preaching then. Because we're a family here. We don't just show up when our favorite person is preaching. We show up because... We're part of a family and we need each other and this church needs you and you need this church and you need to be in a group and you need to be on a team because that's what's best for you. It's what's best for your relationship with God and ultimately for each other. And so can I just encourage you, if you find out I'm not preaching, will you please show up still? And if you find out, and we're bringing in, and listen, when we bring in guest speakers, they're all amazing I will never bring someone in here. And, and for some of our younger guys on the team who, who are getting more opportunities to preach, can you just also understand that I have a responsibility to not let this church die with me? And that I need to be building up the next generation of communication, communicators and teachers and pastors because the future of the church is dependent upon it. And so when our younger guys and women or whoever is preaching, will you show up and support them too? All right, that's your New Year's resolution, okay? So you gotta be willing to share your struggle, but that's never gonna happen in this context. It's not gonna happen in this room. And so you have to do things and put yourself in a position to do that. In fact, one of the scriptures that really was life-changing for me in the midst of my struggle, it literally was eight years ago this month that we did a series around some of these things around mental health. And, and I was preparing for the series. I was almost about a year into my struggle with mental health and anxiety, and I'd been taking a lot of steps. And I had told God, God, as soon as I get through this, I can't wait to tell the church what you did in me and how you helped me win, how you helped me overcome this. And he said, nope, you're gonna preach it right now. You're going to share your story right now. And I shared it eight years ago, and I was literally still in the midst of, 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 of anxiety. And it'd be, being a major issue in my life that I was still overcoming. And this is the scripture that God led me to in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul, who is a phenomenal pastor, greatest missionary wrote majority of the New Testament. I mean, we would not be where we are today without the Apostle Paul and what he did. And his vulnerability with a church that he started is what encouraged me to be vulnerable with, with our church. He said this, he said, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, saying, man, God has done great work in me and through me. He said, 
to keep me from becoming proud because here's what we know the scripture says that God resists the proud. And so our pride keeps us at a distance from God. A pride says, I don't need God. Pride says, I can do this on my own. Pride says, I'm going to figure this out. I don't need any help. And he said, in order to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me, to keep me from becoming proud. So Paul had a perspective about his pain that we all need to have. And when we go through suffering, I'm, I'm, I'm in the book of Job in my personal devotions right now. And, and Job was suffering and, and it's so hard in the midst of our suffering to understand that God has a purpose for it and a reason for it because we lose sight. Pain is so close. It's hard to see past our pain. But when we can pull back from our pain, Paul's saying right here, is that when I pull back from my pain, there's a trust that I have in God to know that he's going to use my suffering to shape me for my ultimate purpose. He says three different times, I begged God to take it away. And some of you, that's where you're at, because I know that's where I was. God, please just take this. God, please take this. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. God, just bring healing. Why can't I just be healed from this? Why can't you just take this away? The fear, the worry, the anxiety, the depression, the, 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 the constant tension that I felt like, God, can you please just take this away? And God didn't answer Paul with a yes. He didn't answer me with a yes. More than likely, he's not going to answer you with a yes because God has a greater perspective and purpose than you could ever imagine. But what God provides in the midst of our pain is his presence. And Paul says, I'm learning to understand and I'm learning what it means to truly rely on the grace of God. And even in the midst of my pain and suffering, I'm realizing that God is all that I need. And that his power is, it, it works best in my weakness, he says. So I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. He says, I take pleasure in my weaknesses and hardships and insults and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ because when I am weak, then I become strong. Why do you become strong when you're weak? It's because you're leaning in to the strength of God. And God's power is perfected in your weakness. It makes you strong and then it displays his strength for others to see. But in our culture today, can we be, nobody boast about their weaknesses. I wasn't ready to boast about mine. I wanted to boast about my success. I wanted to say, God, I will preach mental health and, and as soon as I'm through it. He said, no, you're going to preach it right now. You're going to boast in your weakness. Boasting means to talk with, with, with pride, with excessive pride, with, with satisfaction. And Paul says, I boast in my weaknesses, in my struggles. And listen to me, you cannot boast in something that you're too proud to share, to talk about. You have to be willing to talk about it. So that's what God really was teaching me. I had to be willing to talk about it. I had to lay aside my pride and it's amazing to me how my temptation is to always do the opposite, right? Because I'm afraid what people are going to think. I'm afraid what you're going to think. I'm afraid. I was afraid, well, if I share my struggle, are people still going to respect me as a pastor? Are they still going to respect me as a leader? And you know what I've learned over the years now about sharing from a place of authenticity in my weakness is that people respect me more. And they line up after church and say, thank you. 
Thank you for being authentic. It's given me the courage to take a step. It's given me the strength that I was needing to, to get the help that I need. We live in a world that says you have to fake it until you make it. But can I be honest with you? When it comes to mental health, that won't work. You can't power through. You can't just keep faking it until you make it. It, it, it takes more than that. And so today I want to tell you something. It's okay to not be okay. And the church should be a place where people come when they're not okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. It's not okay to accept it and to say this is just what it is. And so what I've been trying to do over the last few years and even more intentional with this series is try to get rid of the stigma that's been attached to mental health. To have mental health problems, listen to me, does not mean you're crazy. Doesn't mean you've lost it. If there's any other organ in your body that begins to break down and is needing medical assistance and help, we're not ashamed about it. There's no shame when someone says, hey, I'm having this issue or I'm going through this issue in my heart or, or whatever, but whatever for whatever reason, we've created this stigma with mental health. And I, I'm thankful that I feel like this generation that's coming up behind us is beginning to normalize it more and more. To realize that it's something. Because I know my parents' generation, they never went to counseling. They never were open to that type of thing. And so we're trying to break that stigma because we have to. 60 million people in America struggle with mental illness. One out of five kids struggles with mental health. The average onset for mental health issues used to be 30, now it's 14. And the number one killer of young people is suicide. So we're living in a world where we know that we're not okay. COVID was an accelerator again that, that kind of just exasperated the problem that was already there. But today and throughout this series, the goal is to let you know there's hope. That mental illness is treatable. That you can get treatment, that you can get the help you need. And ultimately with God's power and the Holy Spirit working in and through you, you can find healing. Come on, do you have hope today that you can find healing? I'm speaking to someone, and whether you're watching or you're in the room, today you need to know that there is hope for you. There's hope for you. But as I said, God can't heal what you're not willing to reveal. So you have to share your struggle. You can't suffer in secret. You gotta get the help that you need, and that is our goal with this series. Because mental health isn't just something we can compartmentalize in our life. And if you don't deal with it, it will deal with you. Because take it from me, it was showing up in my life in many other areas. I wasn't, I, was, I wasn't sharing it because I wanted to be a strong husband. But mental health was causing me to be a terrible husband. I was disengaged. I was burnt out. I didn't want to talk about anything. I just wanted to come home and zone out with the TV because I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't think anymore. I had to get out of my head. I couldn't engage with my kids. I wasn't doing the things that I knew I needed to do. And this ultimate fear of, of potentially 
an illness or the things that I could control, I was no longer controlling. And the thing that I couldn't control was controlling my life. And so I had to take control back. And that's what you're going to have to do too, if you want to find healing. And so today, as we kind of lay the groundwork for the series, there's two things quickly that I want to talk to you about. Because again, the church has not dealt with this well. There's been a lot of misunderstandings around mental health. And so there's some myths. There's some lies that I think we've believed. And so I want to talk about two myths that we need to dismiss, dismiss in order to begin our journey to find healing with our mental health. The first one is this. There's a myth that says Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. That it isn't something that we should even have to battle because, come on, you're a Christian. You have Christ in you. you a Christian shouldn't have anxiety. A Christian shouldn't go through depression. They shouldn't have burnout. And if you do, there's, there's probably something wrong with you. Maybe you just don't have enough faith. Maybe you need to pray a little bit more. And can I just tell you today, can we dismiss that myth that you can love Jesus and still fight depression? That you can faithfully read God's word and worship God and be consistent in church and still battle anxiety? That you can get in a group and on a team and get out of a row and into a circle and still struggle to overcome the trauma from your past? And do you want to know how I know that's true? Because it was me. I loved Jesus. I'd given my life to his kingdom. Jess and I went all in to plant a church. I was doing everything I knew to do to fulfill the call of God on my life. And yet I was completely broken and overwhelmed with anxiety. And today I'm here to tell you, it's okay to not be okay. You can be a good Christian and still struggle with these things. Many heroes of our faith suffered with mental health issues. Elijah called down fire from heaven in a standoff with 450 prophets of Baal. Him by himself calls down fire from heaven. God shows up in a powerful way. I've never done that. Anybody else? I mean, I've preached some fire before because you all put a little emoji on my, my, my reel or something, but... But that's about it. You know, that's the only fire I'm seeing as an emoji. And, and he literally calls down fire from heaven and then immediately retreats in fear for his life, hides out in a cave, and wants to end his life. He's so depressed. David, the king, the mighty warrior, a man after God's own heart, someone we still admire and expect today, the one who killed Goliath, wrote many psalms from a place of despair and brokenness and depression. Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, battled loneliness and insecurity and even cursed the day he was born. And if those examples aren't enough for you, how about Jesus? On the night when he knows he's about to be crucified, it says that he retreated to the garden. He begged his friends to pray with him. He says, you got to pray because I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so anxious about what I'm going to have to do. That says that the anxiety was so heavy that he was sweating blood and begging God for a way out. So how could it not be okay for you? To have your own struggles with mental health. But here's the problem. A lot of Christians say stupid stuff. Sometimes with good intentions, but still stupid. 
and not biblical at all, right? They'll say things like, hey, I just been struggling. You just need more God, brother. Come on, press in, power through, man. God's on your side. I don't know why stupid Christians talk like that. And if you talk like that, I'm sorry. But in my mind, that's just how it would talk. You just need to rely on the spirit, brother. Holy Spirit's with you, man. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Just press on, press through, right? People say things like that. Again, well-intended, but just stupid. Not helpful. You guys know uh, Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, Packers, went to the Jets, huge hype. Season opening game, three plays in, something like that, snaps his Achilles laying on the turf. He knew that it was snapped. He felt it. He heard it. Trainers walk out. They know it. You know what the trainer didn't say to Aaron Rodgers? Just get up and walk it off, brother. Get back in there. Quit being a sissy. Get in the game. They didn't say that. You know what they said? You're done, man. Your season's over. You're going to need a season of rest, rehabilitation, and recovery. And what you have to do when you're in a mental health battle like this is you need a season of rest, rehabilitation. You need a season of recovery. You can't just walk it off. I thought I could walk it off. I'll press through, I'll power through. Eventually I'll get over this and take it from me. I couldn't and you can't. You have to be willing to share your struggle and it's okay to share your struggle because all Christians struggle. It's a myth to think that you won't. We need help. Starts with God, right? And he directs our steps. And Maybe you do need more of God. Maybe you do need to press in and spiritually pursue God in a new way. But maybe you also need to go to your doctor and get some blood work done. Maybe you need to see that there's some hormone deficiencies and some in chemical imbalances. There's, there's some issues happening physically that are causing some of the things that you feel and that there's literally things you can change your diet, things you can eat, medications that you can take that can help you get through what you're going through. And can I just say this? It's okay to take medication if your doctor says you need it. And I'm not a proponent of taking every, you know, and I would tell you to be prayerful about that and to be, do your own research and homework, but, but it's okay to get the help that you need, to get counseling, to get therapy. Struggling doesn't mean you're not a good Christian, friends. It means you're human. It makes you like Jesus and these other heroes of our faith, you see. But I thought I had to be Superman. I couldn't be weak. I had to be strong. I had to lead my family. I had to lead the church. I had to do it. I just had to press through, and I couldn't. But I believe this lie. And thankfully, with the help of counseling and many other good people in my life, I've been able to dismiss that myth. It's okay to struggle. God will meet you where you're at. Second myth we have to dismiss is that God doesn't care about your mental health. Because I believe this a little bit. I would, I would think things like people have, I, w- I would meet with people in the church and they would be taking their kid through chemo because their kid has cancer. I'd be meeting with a couple and their marriage is, on, is, is a disaster. And I would say, well, they, they, God... You care more about what's going on with them. There's bigger issues than what I'm going through. And while that perspective can be helpful in certain seasons of our lives, 
It's also a lie that the enemy gets us to believe that God doesn't really care and that God has bigger problems to handle, right? God's got bigger issues. There's wars all over the world. There's kids struggling and starving all over the world. So many people in this room have it worse off than I do. But but can I just tell you something? When you're in the middle of your fight and if you are deep in your battle with anxiety and mental health issues, the one thing that you gotta hold on to, that you gotta believe is that God is near and that God cares. He cares deeply for you. And that getting help, pressing into God, inviting others to come into your struggle is not a sign of weakness, In fact, it's a sign of wisdom. And I needed help beyond what my wife could give me, beyond what a friend could give me. I needed help. And so I got a counselor. And I I actually can't call him a counselor because he's in Texas and he can't counsel past state lines. So he's a mental health coach. And it's legit. We don't, you know, we don't just skirt the the loopholes. He says, if I ever feel like you need that kind of help, then I will refer you to someone there locally. But Peter, I've talked about Peter before. Uh, Peter's been a lifesaver for me. He's helped me to be a better pastor. He's helped me to be a better husband. He's helped me to be a better dad. He's a great coach in my life. And you're going to get to meet Peter in week four of this series. Peter's going to share with you, and then we're going to give you a free online resource where Peter walks you through online a lot of the things he's taught me over the last few years that have helped me find freedom. But again, I was ashamed to ask for help. I thought it would say it was weak, but now I've realized, man, there's wisdom in that. And I think everyone should have a counselor. Everyone should have a mental health coach. It's the new year, right? I was at the gym And I went to my machine that I always get on to do my cardio, and someone was on it. I said, you're never here at this time. Why are you on my machine? And then I realized, oh, they got some goals. Give it a couple weeks, they'll be out of here, right? You know, like, and then I I personally kind of feel bad. And I'm like, I'm praying for you that you'll stick it out. But come on, just, there's that machine over there is better anyway. I just need this one, you know, like. But then you see the trainers, like there's trainers at my gym and they're walking around and they got new clients and they're working out with people. And never once have I seen someone get a trainer and go, wow, what, that guy's so weak. He had to ask for a trainer. What a loser. I'm like, wow, that's awesome that you can afford to bring that type of accountability and coaching into your life. I wish I could. That would be great. Right. I've never heard someone go, yeah, I met with my financial advisor. Wait, wait a second. You have a financial advisor? Gosh, you're a loser. I go, wow. Right? We don't think about that. We go, that's smart. There's an area of your life that you need help in, you need coaching in, but for whatever reason, when it comes to mental health and counseling, it's like, oh, you go to a counselor? Jess and I meet with Peter together. We meet with Peter separately. And it's not because we have a bad marriage. I've said this before. It's because we want a better one. It's not because I'm a bad dad, but I want to be a better dad. And Peter has walked us through so many life situations and things that we needed help with that we, we need a coach. You need a coach. And it makes sense. Jesus gave us this command in Matthew 22. He says, what's the greatest command? He says, love the Lord with all of your soul, all of your heart, and all of your mind. He includes your mind. 
And we get the soul part, heart part. I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to worship. I'm going to love God. I'm going to serve in his kingdom. But what about our mind? Like where, where we focus our mind in any of these areas that you want to love God more? How many of you know it takes work? It takes discipline. Let me tell you quickly about how your mind works. I don't, I don't want to go too deep into it, but, but I want to encourage you with something. It's scientifically proven what scripture tells us to do. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Whatever's dominating your mind will, will determine the direction your life goes. And for me, what was, I was dominated by anxiety and worry, and my life was moving in that direction. It was impacting every area of my life. But I can tell you that I was kind of wired to worry from an early age. As I've gone through counseling and pulled back layers, I could see even as a child that I, was, I, I, I naturally defaulted to worry. And when you're first born, right, your brain is developing very quickly. Starts at birth. There's connections that are being made in your brain. This is science stuff. Dr. Caroline Leaf, go look her up. But there's neural pathways in your mind. In the first few years of your life, there's one million neural connections that form every second. And through a process called pruning, the brain starts to learn which connections are most important. The brain gets more efficient and the brain begins to think in patterns. And once you think a thought, it's very easy to think the thought again. The best way to think as a neural pathway is that as you begin to think about things, your brain is laying pavement. And it makes it very easy to go down that same path again. And this is great news when you think about good things. When you're healthy mentally, it's great. If you default to healthy things. But I don't default to those things. I was defaulting to fear and worry and anxiety and depression. But the good news is, is that your brain has the ability to change. And that you can form new pathways. Because here's what I would say. Well, this is just how I am. This is how I was made. This is just the way it is. Some of you, my mom was that way, her mom was that way, this is just how my family's always been. And while that can be true, it's not because of your brain, it's more about the, you're a product of your environment, that what you were exposed to as a child has become the default in your mind. But here's the amazing thing, you can create new natural defaults in your brain. But it's going to take some work. I've pictured it like this. I got this pathway and I just default to this that I literally got to take a jackhammer because it has been paved for many years. And I got to take the jackhammer and break up this path that I've paved in my mind and replace it with new pavement. I got to get rid of the lies that I've believed and embrace the truth. To renew my mind, this is scientifically proven. This isn't just self Pep talks that we give ourselves, we have to retrain our brain. Here's a promise from God's word. Let me show you. He says this, you will keep in perfect peace. How many of you want perfect peace? Not just occasional peace, not just momentary peace, not just circumstantial peace. Perfect peace, a peace that passes all understanding. You will keep those who trust in you, and here it is, and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Here's the thing that I had to own in my mental health battle is that I was choosing to think about what I was thinking about. I wasn't doing anything about it. I wanted it to go away. I wanted God to take it away. But there was something that I needed to do in that process to begin to retrain 
my brain. Who experiences peace, according to God's word? All whose thoughts are fixed on Fox News. All whose thoughts are on CNN and the economy and God help us, 2024, another election year. All whose thoughts are focused on the chaos of what's happening around you and what's going on with your kids and what's going on in the schools and all this stuff that's so overwhelming. No, he will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on Jesus. Make this your New Year's resolution that I'm going to be willing to do to work to pave new pathways in my brain. Science and scripture tells us how to do this. And let me tell you how. You have to audibly, let me say this again, not just in your mind, Think, audibly proclaim the promises of God in your life. There's something that happens, I think, spiritually and mentally that happens. Your brain, this is how you pave new pathways. You go, that is a lie. That is not who I am. That is not who God created me to be. This is who I am. This is who God created me to be. And this is the promise that God gave me. And listen, this isn't just positive pep talks that we give ourselves. We have to remember that God has armed us with the life-changing, transformative power of the promises of the truth of God's word. The Bible says it's living, it's active. There's something about it. It's not just a cool quote. Man, this is the word of God for you. Let me give you an example of how this works. 2 Peter 1.3 says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So instead of, God, I just can't do this. This is too much. I'm just overwhelmed. I'm never gonna change. This is just my lot in life. This is eventually going to kill me. How about this? That's a pathway. That's a negative default. I wanna change the way I think. I'm gonna retrain my bane. And when that thought comes up, Paul says, you take it captive and you make it obey the word of God where God is my source. He is my strength. He has given me everything I need to do what he's called me to do. That is how we proclaim the promises of God over our life. And you got to do this again and again and again and again until you get to heaven. This isn't an instant fix. It took me months. And eight years in, Counseling, to mental health help, studying, learning, growing, developing, all of that stuff. You want to know the bad news? Sometimes I still default to worry. Because how ingrained it was in my brain. But I'm learning to recognize, I'm learning. But friend, it's going to take work. But if you're willing to work, it can happen. You can find healing. The band's coming. We're going to close out and we're going to talk more about some of these practical things in the upcoming weeks. And I just want to encourage you to be here, to get in the room, because it's not just about getting content to you, friends. I'm just praying that you'll experience this peace that God offers us through his Holy Spirit. That you'll experience an overwhelming sense that God's presence is with you because he gives us this promise. Jesus is about to leave his disciples. He's about to be crucified. He knows that it's going to cause panic amongst the group. He knows the the problems it's going to create for them. And so he tells his disciples in John 14, he says, I'm leaving, but I'm going to leave you with a gift. 
peace of mind and heart. Come on, how many of you for 2024 and forward go, man, I just want peace of mind. I want my mind to be at peace. And I want my heart to be at peace. I just want, I want God's peace in my life. Jesus said that, Isaiah said, if, if, if you'll fix your thoughts on Jesus, he will keep you in perfect peace. And Jesus says, I'm leaving you a gift. You are my follower. And when you are my follower, when you know that you've been called by me, equipped by me, that I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, he says, you will have peace of mind. And he says, in this peace that I'm gonna give to you, your hope in me, your trust in me, he says, the world cannot give. And so I think he's telling the disciples, you're gonna be tempted to go look for peace in everything else. And can I tell you something, friends? Another vacation's not gonna give you peace. Extended time away isn't gonna give you peace. It's, those things are good things. They're not bad in themselves, but they're not gonna work. And if you're coping with alcohol, if you're coping with drugs and, and addiction, those things will never give you the peace that God wants you to have. They are temporary escapes. And he says, I want to give you a peace that will change everything. Not just a peace, not just a moment of peace, a life of peace. When you acknowledge me as Lord, you put your trust in me. You see, peace isn't found in the absence of problems, friends. You're going to have lots of problems. Peace is found in the presence of God. And in my darkest hours, in the midst of the deepest, darkest moments of my depression, I remember specifically, I was in Oklahoma, I was traveling, I was preaching at another church. And I was scared to go on the trip because I knew I was anxious and, and I was fearful I was gonna be alone, Jess wasn't gonna be there, I wasn't gonna have my normal routine and I was nervous about going and, and I was in the hotel room and I woke up in the middle of the night Again, panicked, heart pounding out of my chest in a panic attack, full-blown panic attack, breathing, just trying to breathe. I grabbed my phone, I called, called Jess, but she was doing what she always does about three in the morning, asleep. She didn't answer, I called again, man, wake up, wake up, wake up, I need, I need to talk to someone, I need to talk to someone. I'm panicked, I'm panicked. And I remember so clearly God just saying to me, talk to me, talk to me. And I just leaned into that promise that even though I didn't feel God, even though I couldn't see him, even though I was questioning everything that was going on in my life, I could still experience the presence of God. I began to worship. I just began to sing the promises of God's word and putting my trust in him. And, and it wasn't an instant fix or anything, but in that moment, I just knew that God was with me. Can, it, can I encourage you with that? I think that's what everybody needs to know in the midst of, of depression, anxiety, mental health crisis in your life, right? Isn't that you just need to remember that God is near and God cares. He's never gonna leave you. He's never gonna forsake you. In Psalm 23, David writes, and Vanessa shared this earlier. She said, even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though I walk through the shadow of death, and it feels that way, right? It feels like you're at death's door. It just feels like there's no light. But can I encourage you with something? There is no shadow without the presence of light. Light always has to be present to create a shadow in your life. And in those darkest moments, you need to know what David reminded himself. I will not fear because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, 
They comfort me. So today, some of you, you are in the midst of the valley. And I know how dark it is. And I know how overwhelming it can be because I've been there. But today, can I encourage you? Don't get stuck in the valley. Keep moving. Keep walking. Keep worshiping. Take the steps you need to take to get the help that you need. And I promise you, there's hope. It's not going to be easy. But God will meet you right where you are. So today, as we begin this journey over the next few weeks, don't get stuck in the valley. Let's keep moving forward. Let's keep proclaiming the promises of God. We're going to believe for God to show up in big ways. I invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a second. You're here and maybe you're just in a place where it's not just about mental health for you. But listen, you can't know God's peace if you don't know God. And if you're here and maybe it's a new year and you're trying to get your life back together and we got to get back in church, you're kind of making those decisions. But if you were just to reflect for a minute and to be honest about where you are with God, like, are you right with God? Like, is there peace between you and God? Because sin separated us. It created conflict between us and God. There was no peace, but God so loved you and me that he sent Jesus into this world. And Jesus willingly paid the price for my sin, for your sin. A price had to be paid. Punishment had to be dealt with. And Jesus willingly took it. And the cross of Jesus Christ built a bridge so that you could know God, so that you could experience salvation, the promise of eternal life with God, but the promise of life to the full here and now, because when you receive God, you receive his spirit, you receive his presence. So today, if you were just to be honest, just to say there's sin in my life, I'm not right with God. There's no way I'm going to have mental peace when I don't have spiritual peace. I'm not right with God. The Bible says if you would just be willing to confess that to the Lord and say, God, I'm not right with you. I'm far from you. I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. I want to live my life for you that God will meet you right where you are today. That will extend his grace and mercy to you. But it starts with you saying, God, I need you. You make that first move. God's going to meet you where you are today. So if that's where you're at, I want to pray with you a simple prayer of faith. But as a sign of surrender to the Lord, you say, I just need to get right with God. If that's where you are right now, just slip up your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Yep, right here. I see you. I see you right here. Yep, I see you back here. Thank you. Come on, this is your moment. No one else is looking around. I see you over here, sir. Thank you. I see you, ma'am, right here. Thank you. God sees you too, friend. He's going to honor this. Anyone else? Church family, would you pray this with those? And if you pray this today and you mean it, man, God's gonna forgive you. You're gonna find salvation in him. Just say this with me. Say, dear Jesus, today I invite you in. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you're the son of God. That you died for me so I can live for you. I surrender all that I am to you and your plan. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Come on. The Bible says heaven is rejoicing with those who made that decision. We rejoice with you. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to get out of here in just a few moments, but I want to give you a chance and please don't leave if you don't have to. Listen, 
I can teach God's word and I pray today that it's encouraging you, that it's practical, that it will help you. But listen, I'm just telling you, for some of you who are in the midst of the battle, you don't just need a good word from me, right? You need to encounter his presence. You need to experience his peace. And we do that by laying aside how we feel and acknowledging and engaging God with where we're at today. We sang earlier about the good plans that God has for us. That's a hard song to sing when you're laying in a hotel room begging for the panic to go away. But can I tell you something? That's what I had to learn how to do. I had to learn to override my feelings, to proclaim the truth of who God was. And when I would do that, then I would experience his peace. And can I tell you today that he has good plans for you? That even in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, that God still has a plan, that his word says that he's moving, he's working behind the scenes. You have no idea how this suffering will shape you because I, eight years ago, didn't wanna go through what I went through, but I wouldn't change it for the world because I've been able to help hundreds of people overcome their own issues. That is how God redeems your pain for his glory, for your good. We're gonna sing a song that says that God never leaves you because that's what some of you need to proclaim. It's not because you feel it, it's because you need to proclaim it. God never leaves you. He will never leave you, he'll never forsake you. He's with you, he's walking with you. If you'll just acknowledge his presence today. The prayer team is gonna be in the back. Some of you need to go share your struggle. This is the first step, you just need to go share. You go, hey, can you pray for me? that God would give me the boldness. I gotta take some steps. I need to get help and, and I don't even know exactly what to do, but would you just pray that God would direct me to the right people to get the help that I need? Go back and get prayer. But for the rest of us, can we just worship for a moment and can we practice today what we've learned? Let's proclaim audibly the promises of God. And when we do, I'm praying for you. You will experience his peace. Father, thank you for the truth of who you are. Despite how I feel, your word is true. So in this moment, God, I pray that you'd meet us right where we are. Let us experience your presence, your peace. In Jesus' name.